Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Hey, listeners, Brad Kearns here, wrapping up a wonderful year of weekly podcasts on the Primal Blueprint podcast channel. And I thought today I would uh, mix up the format a little bit and do a narration relating to our recently released book, Primal Endurance. It's 115 things you need to know to be a primal endurance athlete. And this is not just for serious endurance competitors, but anyone who makes an effort to do cardiovascular exercise, getting to the gym or hiking, walking around the block, doing an occasional 5K, 10K, all levels of people that engage in endurance training will really appreciate these quick hit messages that kind of are a preview for all the things that are detailed in the book Primal Endurance. Mark and I have been working so hard on this book and we're so excited to release it to the endurance community, the very large endurance community, probably the same size as the Primal Paleo community at large in the country or the world. And in a lot of cases, the conventional approach to endurance training, just like the conventional approach to dieting and fitness in general, has some really serious flaws that are compromising the health and the performance and the body composition goals of people who have a really nice devotion to exercise and watching what they eat. So we're trying to set it all straight and also have this wonderful blending of the primal approach and the 10 laws and the things that hopefully you're all familiar with from listening to the show, reading the blog, uh, blending that with the ambitious endurance training goals. So it's kind of a um, joining of these two movements that are super popular right now. So I hope you enjoy this 115 things you need to know as a primal endurance athlete. Maybe it'll interest you in grabbing the book, which is now out for widespread release, amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, wherever you like to shop, primalblueprint.com. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Again, we're trying to get creative and put up some different shows with different formats and ideas like this one. Uh, and send us some communication. Let us know what you like. You can use the email info at primalblueprintpublishing.com and give us some feedback on the podcast. We've just hit our 100th episode, so it's been a really ambitious effort. We have our great hosts like L and Mark joining in and myself, and also the other channel is going strong now. We've got, what, 30 or 40 podcasts up on the Primal Endurance podcast. So if you're an endurance enthusiast and you like the Primal Blueprint channel, please go and subscribe to the other one and look at the detailed descriptions of our shows for the ones that you'll particularly like. But we have some great content on there too. Thanks again and enjoy the 115 things you need to know as a Primal Endurance athlete. 115 things you need to know and will learn in the book to be a primal endurance athlete. If you already have a lot of knowledge and experience with primal living, you might be able to follow along really nicely. If not, some of these might not make any sense, and that's why you get to get into further detail in the book or the audio book. But I think this will provide you with a really nice big picture philosophy of what the primal endurance approach is all about 
and hopefully pique your interest to get into further detail and really discuss and understand these subjects and implement them in your training. So here we go. The first section is aerobic training. Number one, endurance athletes on the whole carry too much body fat, a consequence of carbohydrate dependency eating and overly stressful training patterns. Number two, the fundamental elements of the primal endurance approach are to slow down and emphasize aerobic workouts, balance stress and rest, and adopt an intuitive, flexible approach to training. Number three, the conventional approach to endurance training is deeply flawed, resulting in widespread burnout and excess body fat among even the most dedicated athletes. Number four, the flawed conventional approach can be characterized as chronic cardio, too many moderate to difficult intensity workouts with insufficient rest and recovery. Number five, chronic cardio can cause permanent damage to the heart by promoting chronic inflammation and scarring the heart lining from repeated micro tears. Number six, moderate exercise, for example, running 10 minute miles for only one to two and a half hours per week, can dramatically increase longevity in comparison to more arduous and time-consuming training schedules. Number seven, the critical distinction for endurance workout intensity is aerobic versus anaerobic. Aerobic workouts emphasize fat burning and are energizing and minimally stressful. Anaerobic workouts emphasize glucose burning and elicit a significant stress response. Number eight, Emphasizing aerobic workouts delivers the best return on investment for endurance athletes because endurance competitions, even as short as one hour, are fueled almost entirely by aerobic energy systems. Number nine, developing an efficient aerobic system is like building a powerful, clean-burning Tesla engine. Excess anaerobic training with an insufficient aerobic base is like fine-tuning a small, inefficient, dirty-burning car engine. Ten, Aerobic development is best accomplished by training exclusively at aerobic heart rates for a sustained period of time. This enables a steady progression in fat-burning efficiency without interruption from stressful high-intensity workouts. 11. The cutoff point for aerobic training is the maximum aerobic heart rate, defined as the point where maximum aerobic benefits occur with a minimum amount of anaerobic stimulation. To calculate your maximum aerobic heart rate, use Dr. Phil Maffetone's formula of 180 minus your age. That equals your maximum aerobic heart rate. 12. Endurance athletes have extreme difficulty slowing down into what feels like a disturbingly slow aerobic heart rate zone. But massive improvements can occur over time by becoming more efficient, that is faster, at a comfortable conversational aerobic pace in the same heart rate. 13. Aerobic improvement can be tracked by conducting Dr. Maffetone's Maximum Aerobic Function Test, MAF test. You complete a fixed course, such as running eight laps around a track, at a fixed heart rate as close as you can to your max aerobic 180 minus age, and then you track your time and improvements over several tests indicates an improvement in fitness. 14. Improvement in MAF test results means that your training is working. You are becoming more efficient at burning fat at aerobic heart rates. Regression in math test results suggests you are overtraining and or overstressed. 15. High-intensity workouts are not advised until a strong aerobic base is built, as evidenced by steady improvement in math test results. 
16. Even a slight stimulation in anaerobic metabolism during a workout can accelerate sugar burning for up to 72 hours after the workout. 17. Besides exceeding aerobic maximum heart rate with chronic cardio, endurance athletes are often guilty of an overly regimented, overly consistent approach, which brings a high risk of overstress and burnout. 18. Aerobic and anaerobic workouts, as well as primal-aligned eating, all help improve mitochondrial function, protecting you from stress-induced oxidative damage and delaying the aging process. 19. Mitochondria burn fat and ketones more cleanly than they do glucose. Glucose burning generates free radicals, causing oxidative damage and accelerated aging. 20. Nose breathing during exercise ensures the most efficient exchange of oxygen on each breath and helps you maintain an aerobic pace. 21. The, quote, black hole designates an exercise intensity that is slightly too strenuous to be aerobic, but not difficult enough to qualify as a peak performance speed workout. Unfortunately, this intensity level, or the range, is the default landing area for many exercisers, from novice all the way up to competitive athletes. 22. A wireless heart rate monitor is essential to conducting proper aerobic workouts because intensity at aerobic maximum is so comfortable that it's easy to drift beyond that and into the black hole. 23. Slowing down to perform better in endurance competition has been proven effective by the world's leading athletes for over 50 years, but it's still difficult to convince many casual enthusiasts about its effectiveness. 24. The seven habits of highly effective primal endurance athletes are sleep, stress-rest balance, intuitive and personalized schedule, aerobic emphasis, structured intensity, complementary movement and lifestyle practices, and periodization. And that's the next section of things you need to know, periodization. Don't worry, it'll add up to 115. Number one in the periodization section. Periodization entails focusing on different types of training during specific blocks of time over a calendar year. The broad annual schedule looks like this. Aerobic base period to begin season, mini periods of intensity and competition, followed by mini rest and aerobic periods, and finally a lengthy rest period to end the season. Number two, consistency in the context of endurance training is ill-advised. You are better off being intuitive, varied, and flexible in your workout patterns. The process of fitness progress is dynamic and unpredictable, not linear. Number three, a good strategy for intuitive training is to align workout difficulty with the subjective evaluations of your daily levels of energy, motivation, and health. Number four, the aerobic base period to commence the season should last at least eight weeks and possibly much longer. If progress with aerobic function stalls, or overstress symptoms are present, illness, injury, fatigue, etc. Number five, intensity should be introduced only after a successful aerobic period and last a maximum of four weeks with greatly reduced total training volume during that time before a mini rest period is observed. Number six, mini periods of high intensity during the competitive season should be followed by a period of nearly equal duration composed of rest and aerobic base building. Number seven, the season-ending rest period should be diligent and comprehensive. No training, no thinking about training, and extra attention to rest, sleep, and neglected hobbies and social connections. Number eight, 
Tapering with a huge reduction in training volume and intensity promotes peak performance. It's very difficult to lose fitness if you maintain even a fraction of normal training. Number nine, true detraining from inactivity due to illness or injury causes rapid fitness losses, but you can regain fitness at approximately a one-to-one exchange of time off to time returning to training. Number 10, the specific nature of high-intensity workouts is of minimal importance. All anaerobic exercise, whether it's intervals, time trials, hill repeats, Tabata, whatever, has a similar effect on the body. Number 11, heart rate variability measures the fluctuation in your beat-to-beat intervals. Surprisingly, more variation in beat-to-beat intervals indicates a fit, healthy, recovered cardiovascular system and is represented by a higher HRV score on a 1 through 100 scale. Number 12, HRV is a sophisticated and sensitive indicator of cardiovascular stress and is a great complement to monitoring resting heart rate for tracking recovery and making optimal training decisions. The next section is primal eating. Number one, the standard American diet is based on excessive intake of grains and sugars, which stimulates excess insulin production, leading to lifelong insidious weight gain, chronic inflammation, and elevated disease risk factors. Number two, A high-carb, grain-based diet leaves endurance athletes nutrient-deficient, inflamed, and more susceptible to oxidative damage from the stress of training, general life, and poor nutrition. 3. Grains, aka beige glop, are a cheap source of calories that are immediately converted to glucose upon ingestion and offer minimal nutritional value. There is no good reason for humans to consume grains, and many good reasons not to, especially for those sensitive to gluten, and other anti-nutrients present in grains. Four, everyone is sensitive to the health-compromising effects of grains at some level, especially the pro-inflammatory effects of gluten and the propensity for the lectin proteins in grains to cause leaky gut syndrome. Five, carrying excess body fat despite careful attention to diet and a high volume of training hours is largely due to carbohydrate dependency caused by a grain-based diet and chronic training patterns. Six, endurance athletes can dial in optimal carb intake by first asking the question, do you carry excess body fat? Any excess body fat calls for a reduction in dietary carbohydrate intake to accelerate fat burning. Seven, weight loss through portion control and devoted calorie burning is ineffective. Calories burned through exercise stimulate a corresponding increase in appetite. The secret to weight loss is hormone optimization, primarily through moderating excess insulin production. Endurance athletes with optimal body composition looking to improve performance and recovery should choose high nutrient value carbs like abundant vegetables, sensible fruit intake, sweet potatoes, wild rice, quinoa, and dark chocolate. High-calorie-burning endurance athletes with optimal body composition can enjoy occasional treats, but the habit of unbridled intake of nutrient-deficient refined carbohydrates should be eliminated in the interest of health and performance. 10. Even lean people suffer from the negative health consequences of carbohydrate dependency, such as chronic inflammation, oxidative damage, and accelerated aging and disease risk factors. Number 11. Carbohydrate dependency leads to burnout because the body perceives fluctuating blood sugar as a stressful event every time, leading to an overstimulation of the fight-or-flight response and eventual burnout. 12. 
The carbohydrate dependency cycle looks like this. Consume a high-carb meal, elevate your blood sugar, stimulate an insulin response, shut off fat metabolism and promote fat storage, experience fatigue and sugar cravings from that drop blood sugar, consume more carbohydrates, stimulate the fight-or-flight response to regulate blood sugar, dysregulate and exhaust assorted hormonal processes, and finally end up in burnout and lifelong insidious weight gain patterns. 13. Primal style eating is fractal and intuitive. When escaping carbohydrate dependency and becoming fat adapted, you don't have to rely on ingested carbs for energy. Eating patterns can be driven by hunger, pleasure, and maximum nutritional benefit. 14. Once fat adapted, intermittent fasting, IF, can be used to accelerate fat loss, fine-tune insulin sensitivity, and improve cellular repair for an anti-aging, immune-boosting effect. 15. A suggested entry strategy for intermittent fasting is to simply wait until you experience hunger to eat in the morning. This enhances your appreciation for food and provides feedback on your progress with fat adaptation. 16. Any excess body fat you have is a function of your genetic predisposition to store fat combined with the amount of insulin you produce in your diet. Losing excess body fat involves moderating insulin production by ditching sugars and grains. 17. Primal style eating minimizes the importance of genetic predispositions and enables you to achieve your personal ideal body composition. 18. Escaping sugar dependency and becoming fat adapted gives you a cleaner burning engine since glucose burning promotes inflammation and oxidative stress. 19. Ketones are an internally manufactured, energy-rich byproduct of fat metabolism in the liver when blood glucose and insulin levels are low due to carbohydrate restriction. Ketones are burned efficiently by the brain, heart, and skeletal muscles in the same manner as glucose. Number 20. Ketogenic endurance training represents an exciting new frontier for peak endurance performance. Ultra-low-carb athletes can perform amazing feats and literally become bonk-proof by remaining in a fat and ketone-burning state. 21. Ketogenic endurance training is an advanced strategy that requires a strict devotion to very low dietary carbohydrate intake. However, it's acceptable to waver in and out of this fragile state and still enjoy the overall performance benefits of being fat-adapted instead of carb-dependent. 22. A bonk-proof ketogenic athlete is preserving ketones for use by the brain, relieving it of glucose dependency, and prioritizing fat for muscular fuel. 23. Ketones burn cleaner than carbohydrates, minimizing free radical damage and delivering a potent anti-inflammatory effect. Ketogenic endurance athletes recover faster from stressful training, improve cognitive function, and minimize the disease risk factors associated with a pro-inflammatory high-carb diet. 24. The new fat-burning beast paradigm offers great promise to endurance athletes, but can have an even more profound effect on the global obesity epidemic. Reduce carb intake in favor of fat, and you reduce excess body fat, period. 25. Dr. Jeff Volek's vaunted FASTER study and Dr. Pita Atia's personal experiments prove unequivocally that any endurance athlete can quickly become fat-adapted and deliver performances superior to carb-fueled efforts all the way up to anaerobic threshold intensity. 26. Being carb-dependent sucks on several levels. 
your performance hinges on the tenuous ability to assimilate additional carbs during exercise, you produce more inflammation and oxidative damage from burning a dirty fuel source, you risk muscle catabolism via gluconeogenesis, and you have difficulty reducing excess body fat. 27. Step 1 in eating primally is to ditch sugars, grains, and industrial vegetable and seed oils for 21 days. Step 2 is to emphasize highly nutritious primal foods, such as meat, fish, fowl, eggs, vegetables, fruits, nuts and seeds, and supplemental carbs like sweet potatoes, the natural plant and animal foods that fueled human evolution. 28. While transitioning to primal involves eating rich, satisfying meals, some can expect to struggle initially due to lifelong carbohydrate dependency and the drug-like addictive properties of sugar and wheat. 29. Eating primally and losing excess body fat does not involve any suffering, struggling, or sacrifice. The high satiety factor of primal meals will prevent the cravings and binges that derail calorie restriction dieters. 30. Primal eating can improve endurance performance by improving fat metabolism, moderating the overstimulation of fight-or-flight hormones, improving immune function, improving digestion, and reducing inflammation, oxidative damage, and muscle breakdown from training. 31. You can accelerate the process of fat adaptation in a depleted post-workout state when your appetite hormones are most sensitive to rewiring. Instead of habitually pounding sugary treats, fast for a stretch if you can, and or choose high-fat, low-insulin-producing foods. You will rewire your brain to become less dependent on carbohydrates at all times. 32. The Primal Blueprint Carbohydrate Curve predicts the results of body composition goals based on different levels of carb intake. 100 grams per day or less promotes fat loss. 150 grams is the primal maintenance level. Over 150 grams per day on average promotes lifelong insidious weight gain. And over 300 grams per day promotes metabolic disease patterns. The next section is strength and sprint training. Number one, strength training is essential to success in endurance sports. Putting your muscles under load by lifting heavy things, whether it's weights, machines, or just body weight resistance exercises, stimulates positive hormonal adaptations and helps you preserve good technique and maximum power output as muscles fatigue during your endurance workouts. Two, Strength training can help athletes identify functional weaknesses that lead to poor technique, overly stressful workouts, and delayed recovery. 3. Many endurance athletes err by conducting, quote, blended workouts that deliver both a cardiovascular training effect, which is unnecessary in light of the extreme cardiovascular fitness already, and fall short of developing absolute power that endurance athletes are deficient in. 4. Endurance athletes with excellent cardiovascular endurance should focus on brief, high-intensity strength sessions that increase raw strength and explosiveness. Emphasis should be on maintaining excellent technique and workouts end when fatigue inhibits reaching maximum power level. 5. Endurance athletes over age 40 will particularly benefit from strength training, since strength declines more steeply than endurance with aging. High-intensity strength sessions will deliver a profound anti-aging effect by preserving muscle mass and optimizing adaptive hormones. 6. The primal essential movements represent a safe, simple, effective, full-body workout sequence consisting of push-ups, pull-ups, squats, and planks. 
A series of progression exercises allow athletes of all fitness levels to perform an appropriate number of reps and increase competency over time. 7. Maximum Sustained Power Training, MSP, represents a cutting-edge strategy to improve absolute power and explosiveness. These sessions involve popular functional movements like deadlifts, squats, and leg presses, lifting heavy weights for few reps, and taking frequent mini-rest periods to sustain maximum power output throughout the workout. 8. MSP sessions enable you to lift more total weight than the traditional light weights, high reps, multiple stations till exhaustion blended workouts. The MSP strategy is to go maximum or go home. You never reduce weights, and you stop when you can't lift the 5 rep max baseline MSP heavy bar due to accumulated fatigue. 9. All-out sprinting is widely disregarded by mileage-obsessed endurance athletes who don't see the connection between short sprints and endurance performance. But becoming competent in sprinting will improve endurance performance in many ways. Reduced perceived fatigue, enhanced fat metabolism, enhanced mitochondrial function and oxygen utilization, improved muscle buffering capacity, and strengthened muscles and connective tissue. 10. Sprinting, like strength training, delivers a potent anti-aging effect by flooding the bloodstream with adaptive hormones and actualizing the anti-aging maxim of use it or lose it. 11. Maximum intensity sprinting significantly increases your resilience to physical and psychological fatigue at lower intensity levels. Your muscles regenerate energy faster through improved calcium-potassium pump function, and your central nervous system recalibrates so that slower paces feel easier. 12. One of the most important benefits of sprinting is how it cuts you up like nothing else. Primal adapted eaters who experience stalled weight loss progress can send an intense message to the brain to ramp up fat metabolism as an adaptive response to sprinting, an effect that continues for up to 24 hours after the workout. Ever seen a fat sprinter? Nope. 13. Endurance athletes must adopt a different mindset for sprint workouts, rejecting the suffering ethos of endurance sessions in favor of striving for consistent quality performances. Perform at max or go home. Workouts end when your time gets slower, when your form becomes compromised, or when effort increases to maintain the same times. 14. Consistent quality sprinting means a similar time and similar perceived exertion for each effort. If it becomes harder to deliver the same time, or if the time slows at the same perceived exertion, the workout must end. As fitness progresses, strive to increase speed before considering increasing the number of reps. 15. Sprinting in a pre-fatigued state is not only harmful for muscles, but also the central nervous system. Athletes should only sprint when 100% rested and energized to deliver a peak performance. Extensive warm-up and technique drills should be performed before delivering maximum efforts. 16. A proper warm-up entails dynamic movements that elevate your temperature, lubricate your joints, no cracking or creaking, and get your central nervous system focused on good technique with form drills. A deliberate cool-down will minimize the stress impact of the session and facilitate faster recovery. No abrupt endings. 17. Running is the best sprinting choice due to the benefits of weight-bearing intense activity. If you have joint or injury concerns or specific competitive goals, you can sprint with low or no impact exercises, swimming, cycling. Ideal duration of sprints is between 10 and 30 seconds, and 4 to 6 reps of running is plenty. Since running is harder, shorter and fewer work efforts are advised. 18. 
The rest interval between sprints should be sufficient to ensure respiration returns to near normal, muscles feel reinvigorated, and that mental energy is refreshed. This will probably be achieved in 30 to 60 seconds of rest, consisting of slow movement. The next section is complementary movement and lifestyle practices. Number one, getting adequate sleep is not as simple as logging eight hours per night. Sleep requirements vary by the seasons, training workload, overall life stress levels, and genetic factors. Two, optimal sleep starts with mellow, dark, calming evenings that minimize artificial light and digital stimulation after dark. This allows for the circadian-influenced dim light melatonin onset, DLMO, to happen on cue, making you feel sleepy soon after it gets dark. Three, awakening naturally near sunrise, feeling refreshed and energized is indicative of adequate sleep. Feeling less than perky in the morning suggests you must minimize artificial light and digital stimulation the previous evening. Four, an ideal sleeping environment is quiet, clutter-free, cool, 68 Fahrenheit or less, and completely dark. Even tiny light emissions, like from an LED alarm clock or something, can disturb the highly sensitive release of melatonin into the bloodstream. Five, napping is especially effective for catching up on evening sleep deficiencies refreshing brain neurons after sustained periods of peak cognitive function, and generating a pulse of adaptive hormones into the bloodstream. Six, the, quote, active couch potato syndrome describes an actual medical phenomenon of devoted fitness enthusiasts nevertheless suffering from elevated disease risk factors due to predominantly sedentary lifestyle patterns outside of their workouts. Seven, walking will improve many aspects of your general health and also contribute to aerobic fitness by stimulating the complete range of aerobic muscle fibers and energy-producing enzymes. Eight, extended periods of sitting and stillness can compromise musculoskeletal function, cellular health, cardiovascular function, and fat metabolism, negating many of the benefits of endurance training. Nine, taking frequent movement breaks throughout the day improves insulin sensitivity and fat metabolism, improves muscular balance, flexibility, and bone density, and enhances cognitive function through improved circulation. 10. The, quote, athlete's mindset of being lazy in everyday life on account of compiling an impressive workout log must be reframed to emphasize the importance of increased everyday movement. It'll help speed recovery and optimize metabolic function. 11. Cardiovascular fitness is the ability to challenge the heart and certain muscles to perform extreme athletic efforts. Cardiovascular health is the ability to efficiently deliver oxygen to 100% of the cells in your body. That's from Katie Bowman. 12. Creating a stand-up desk environment is great, but the primary goal should be to create more variation in your workplace positions. Switching back and forth from standing to sitting, sitting on the ground, and going mobile for whenever possible with meetings, phone calls, whatever. 13. Brain science confirms that humans are incapable of focusing for longer than 20 minutes without a break. Taking a five-minute break for every 20 minutes of peak cognitive focus and longer breaks every few hours will improve metabolic health and cognitive performance. 14. Complementary movement and mobility exercises like yoga and Pilates improve athletic performance by allowing you to preserve correct technique and optimal power output even as you fatigue during workouts. 15. Neglecting complementary movement and mobility practices can compromise athletic performance 
by allowing inefficiencies and imbalances to occur from narrowly focused training patterns. This leads to accelerated fatigue, diminished power output, and increased injury risk. 16. Deliberate movement practices also help improve your ability to focus during challenging endurance efforts and provide a calming balance to the high-stress nature of endurance workouts. 17. Play is a fundamental element of human health and a key factor in the success of human evolution. Play is a critical stress release from the pressures, schedules, and responsibilities of daily life and promotes the development of a cognitively fluid mind. 18. Play can take many forms, but ideally involves unstructured outdoor physical activity to balance the structured, confined, and sedentary forces in modern life. 19. Primal thrills can deliver a healthy burst of adrenaline to counter the mundane and predictable nature of modern life. Choose challenges that are well-managed and just outside of your comfort zone. 20. The old injury treatment protocol of rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation is being replaced in the eyes of many experts in favor of ECM, elevate, compress, and move. 21. Cold therapy can speed recovery by delivering a refreshing psychological sensation and recalibrating the central nervous system and muscle metabolic activity back to calm, cool, resting levels. 22. Full body immersion into water at 50 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 10 to 15 Celsius, for 5 to 10 minutes is believed to be the optimal strategy for post-exercise cold therapy. Interesting new technology like the RTX cooling glove provides some amazing potential to help cool the body during workouts to extend duration or cool right after workouts to speed recovery. Compression wraps or garments act like pumps to squeeze blood vessels open with force, allowing more blood and oxygen into the area and improving removal of waste and excess fluid. Studies suggest reduced muscle soreness and improved performance using compression garments. 24. Post-exercise hydration is essential to ensuring that assorted recovery mechanisms work without interference from the immediate urgency of needing to rehydrate. 25. Movement is also an important element of recovery. Athletes should refrain from prolonged stillness periods after workouts and throughout the day. Over time, efforts to move more will result in improvements in the familiar morning stiffness that many athletes experience. 26. For post-workout refueling, forget the synthetic bars, gels, beverages, and sweets. Instead, focus on getting wholesome, nutritious food, like a salad. 27. Self-myofascial release is an effective recovery technique. Using rollers or balls, you can apply deep pressure to trigger points that represent the origination of stiffness and mobility problems that possibly refer pain elsewhere. 28. Self-myofascial release delivers the additional benefit of stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system, allowing you to truly unwind after workouts. 29. Releasing your attachment to the outcome can alleviate the psychological stress of missing workouts or performing below expectations. Instead, relax, be patient, and focus on the enjoyment of the process of getting fit. Take what your body gives you each day and nothing more. Hey, Primal Podcast listeners. Have you been wanting and waiting to take your health or your clients to peak levels? Then it's time to enroll in the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification. The Primal Blueprint Expert Certification is the very first and surely to be the preeminent ancestral health online certification program. From the comfort of your own home, you'll dive deeper into the Primal Blueprint philosophy with a comprehensive online course and examination process through 30 
modules. This self-paced course is equivalent to an upper division college course in the health sciences. You'll develop the expertise in primal eating, exercise, and lifestyle practices to help you and your clients achieve breakthroughs. This certification program also gives you access to over $400 of multimedia educational materials, ebooks, digital books, and video instruction from Primal Blueprint author Mark Sisson. Graduates are listed online in our certified expert directory to enhance their credibility in the evolutionary health world. Register for the certification program today at primalblueprint.com and gain immediate access to the course materials and educational library.